Welcome to Australian Hiker, your online hiking resource. We're your hosts, Tim and Jill Savage. This is episode 156 of the Australian Hiker Podcast. And in this episode, we continue our series of interviews with suppliers and wholesalers of outdoor equipment in Australia. And as in episode 155, we discuss a variety of topics, including how the wholesalers and suppliers see Australia's outdoor industry at the moment. We hope you enjoy. Okay, so first up, we're talking with uh, Dave Casey from Outdoor Agencies. Outdoor Agencies are a uh, an importer and supplier of outdoor product to the Australian market. And today, we're going to be talking with Dave on a few well-known products as well as some newer products coming onto the Australian market. So, Dave, thanks for taking taking your time. Thanks, Tim. Thanks for having me. How are you going? Okay. Oh, good, good. Now, first thing we want to catch up on was a new range of outdoor-related belts, and that's the Art Arcade belts. So tell us a bit about those. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, Arcade is, I guess, a new product for us, um, but has been out globally for 10 years, actually their 10th anniversary this year. Um, I guess Arcade's background was snow so some professional skiers who looked at the outdoor belt options and they're all stiff webbing metal buckles or chunky clips off backpacks turned into a um, belt which was kept pants up which is good but wasn't very comfortable and under layers of backpacks and so forth found them to be a, not a very comfortable experience so they sort of delved around and went oh goggles they have a nice elastic waistband let's test those but found, like, you know, if you've ever used a pair of goggles for a fair bit or, or a headlamp, the elastic does lose its elasticity and sort of stretch out over a period of time. Um, and I guess if you were in a headlamp for a few hours a day, you won't really notice that. But for a or a pair of goggles, which you want to update because they get scratched anyway every other season, um, but for a belt, you want to have some sort of longevity because you're wearing it all day, every day. So they found a more durable stretch resistant version of a um a rubber elastic mix which keeps its elasticity um but makes it a nice stretchy comfortable sort of belt which you can wear while doing sort of any outdoor activity from hiking to biking to skiing to for a lot of us sitting at the desk for six seven hours a day um yeah so a nice really good rounded outdoor travel belt okay now if i believe there's two thicknesses at the moment yeah so it's different widths so there's a i guess it's a standard sort of style width in the adventure belt so the adventure belt is the sort of like that key sort of piece um different textures and colors and so forth but all much much the same with a plastic black buckle or clip and then there's two widths so there's a standard width which will fit into most men's pairs of pants, belt loops, um, some might a little bit snugger than the others, but it can generally wiggle it through. And then also there's a slim belt, which is just a little bit slimmer, thinner width. So it generally fit a lady's belt loops a little better, or sometimes men who find that their belt loops are quite small on their belts, they can um, 
just will slide through a little bit easier, just because that slightly narrow width. Yeah, I must admit, I've, I've been 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 playing with one and testing one out, and and they really are a very very comfortable belt. Um, you know, they, yeah. uh, the, 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 the thickness is just right. I'm, I'm carrying a bit more weight than I'd like to at the moment. So, but it's, uh, I think, um, you know, certainly the belt that I've got on at the moment would probably comfortably fit people up to around about the, the 40 to 42 inch without too much problem. Um, yep. and I believe you're coming out with a larger sized belt later in the year. Yeah, that's the plan. So later this year into summer, there should be a larger or just a longer belt, which will fit. I guess the, for the guys who've been in sort of a bit of a, a COVID hibernation over the last few months and have maybe put on an extra kilo or two than they would aspire to, or just the, the bigger barrel-chested larger guys who are already 110 kilos, six foot four, and just a, a big, strong bloke, um, and everyone in between. So there's that longer belt, which you can always make a long belt smaller by adjusting it, um, the plastic buckle shorter. Um but we have found it's a handful of people who do find the, the standard sort of lengths a little bit too snug. So we are bringing out that longer belt as well in a, in a few months' time, sort of com- coming into sort of that sort of Christmas period of time. And I think uh, in, in, in discussions before the interview, you, you're making the comment that if you can wear a belt and sit sit down comfortably all day and not notice it, that's a, that's a good belt. And, you know, certainly as I'm sitting here at the moment, I don't really notice I've got it on. It's it's not digging into me or cutting into me at all like some of the, the heavy-grade canvas-style belts can do. Yeah, exactly. Belts I've had previously have been awesome outdoor belts, um, but they tend to either be a, a, a light webbing with a little plastic buckle um, or they are more of a stiffer sort of either canvas or a really quite a heavy-duty nylon webbing, um, which basically I could – Hang, I could use it as a, a, a belay um, sling if really need be. But yeah. at the same time, you do find that bit of stiffness in there. And I guess touch wood once we get back onto airplanes on longer sort of domestic or international trips where you're on a plane for on a 12, 16 hours and not really moving at all, um, you want a, a belt that's comfortable. And I guess that beauty of being a plastic belt as well, or plastic, plastic buckle does mean you can just walk straight through any sort of security without having to um, take your belt off and hope your pants don't fall down while you're going through security. So it's definitely a nice, comfortable way to go um, with a nice and streamlined, especially as well for hiking. You can hike with it as well because it fits flat underneath the hip belt. Um, Quite often the belt buck can sort of be a bit pokey underneath the hip belts or that sort of more dynamic moving when you're hiking or scrambling around. So something that sort of will stretch and move with you but still keep your pants up is definitely something that's handy with having to rely on drawstrings or a, elastic pants and so forth. Yeah, no, and there seems to be a good range of colours by the look of it as well. Oh, there's heaps of colours. There's more, probably more colours than one person could ever want in their life. Um, there's everything from just a standard black with very limited to no logos. Um, and for a handful of people who have seen a logo there, um, Things can be flipped inside out, so you can just have a straight black or there is like the little tail peeper which has a logo on it, so that can be turned inside out so you can almost have a black belt which is logoless apart from a, a black-on-black textured sort of logo on the plastic buckle which you wouldn't really see through to, I don't know, all sorts of fun colours of palm trees and pine trees and 
bright colours and so forth. So you've got a, a belt that can match, um, I guess, your mood for the day from uh, glum going to work, I have to keep it simple with nice standard black or something that's a leopard print blue for or fun for the party as well. I think one thing I do like about these belts as well is, you know, I know with uh, with my stock standard leather belt you wear to work and wear around when you're when you're going out, that you know, you've got typically they've got holes in them and, if, and you 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 put extra holes in them if you need be. But these ones uh, I noticed have got a um they because they are have that stretch in them and the adjustments on the inside. So if you lose weight or put on weight, you've got the ability to tighten them up and you don't have this big long tongue hanging loose. Yeah, 100%. Sort of thing that it does fit nice and flat against the body. You said the tail does fit on the inside. And because it is a, a, a narrow webbing, it's not like it's a bulky, pokey sort of leather tail that's sort of against your body. It's sort of a nice, comfortable, you don't even notice it's there. And it is a little bit stiff to weave the or push the um, webbing through the buckle. Um, but that's not a bad thing. It means once it's on, it's locked into place and it cams into sort of a triglide sort of style of buckle, which you'd see on. A backpack, per se, um, and once you've adjusted it, you're ready to go, and it can sort of fluctuate. I know if you get a little bit bloated after a big meal, you don't have to sit there and go, "Oh, I've done to do my belt." The belt will stretch a little bit for you. But yep. if you are doing a longer through hike, if you're doing some of the longer hikes, like I said previously, um, Bibbleman or doing the Human Hovel or doing something, as once things open up, if you do a spider, do the PCT or something like that, in the next couple of years, it's a belt which you could start off at your starting weight and then as you lose weight over the period of time um they can adjust the belt with you without having to try to punch holes through a leather belt every other week or every other day you can just sort of wiggle it a little bit and adjust it um really simply so it's a belt which um like i said apart from that if you're on the cusp of that sort of 42 inch waist or larger um realistically from sort of 40 and below you've got a belt which can go to sort of any sort of um length super simply and to that macro adjustment of, uh, if I could take two mils smaller, I can make it two mils smaller, reasonably. Yeah. So that's like, a good, good point. Yeah, no, I think I think it's I think it's going to do very well. Now, yeah. uh, is it available on the market as yet, or is it coming soon? Yeah, so it was released um, as Murphy's Law would dictate. We released it as COVID was released into Australia as well. So um, it's been in market for since March in Australia. Um, I guess as things and people have got a bit more outdoors over the last sort of month or so, especially in New South Wales where I'm, I'm based, that region travel for June's been available. Um, but even before then, that sort of staying within a local area and going for a hike um, in your local sort of either nature reserve or national park, if you're lucky to be close to a national park, um, we've seen some sort of really good sell-through already and some really good interest in them, both from our retailers, so they're found in your usual good outdoor store, um, both online and in your good old bricks and mortar stores as well. So I think most capital cities, if not actually all capital cities, would definitely have a few retailers as well as the usual culprits online who you'd find um, who would, I won't choose favourites, so I won't name any of them, but they'll all, um, all the bigger guys will tend to have arcade on there as well. So if you're somewhere where you don't have a local store or you're not keen to get into the city to go to a store at the moment, which is definitely fair enough, um, you can still find them online as well. And because it's a one-size-fits-most, apart from just going, what colour do I want? You don't have to try it on. You can just sort of grab it and off you go. And what's the uh, what's the recommended retail on, the, on these belts? 
Good question. Um, $49.95 is the RRP for them. All right. And that's, that seems to match in with a number of the other belts that are being sold on the market at the moment. So I think it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's yeah. sort of a reasonably good price. And, and as I said, for me, this is probably one of the most comfortable belts I've ever worn. So I think I'll, yeah. I think I'll definitely be, be using this on my hikes. So. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we're super excited. We saw them first ourselves. Um, I have been in Australia for a little while now through some ski markets, um, but we saw them personally when I was over in the US for um, some meetings and some, I guess, some play, some hiking and some biking a couple of years ago and pretty well any outdoor store from a REI to a small my own pie store in Moab, everyone had um, arcade through at least a few colours and not through the full colour range and um, we just bought a few over there because I thought they were cool-looking belts that would keep my pants up and be sort of that perfect belt for my outdoor active sort of lifestyle and then once we sort of got back and thought about them a bit more with it, actually let's maybe look at bringing them into Australia. So that's sort of where it turned into today where we've got them through ODA. But, yeah, they're, they're awesome sort of thing for, the I guess, the main core of the group in the office here. Um, we all have, we're more than happy to spend the 35 30 US dollars on them a couple of years ago and give them a whirl and with no idea that we'll be doing them two years later. So, yeah, they're awesome. All right, that's good. Now, I believe you're also the uh, the agent for uh, Osprey Packs. Uh, tell us what's what's the what's the news with Osprey? Have they got any new product out, or are they they going in some new directions at all? Yes, that's another hat I wear. Apart from belts, um, I also wear the Osprey hat for outdoor agency. And yeah, at the moment for this for this winter, um, our, probably our most exciting thing for Osprey is. That, I guess that main story of our like, best hiking bags are still the best hiking bags that we have and there's been no changes or movements in there. Um, we have updated our kids' hiking range. So that's from our smaller 1.5-litre hydration mountain biking bags, for little shredders, through to a larger 75-litre hiking backpack for teenagers to grow into from sort of that age of 13 through to 18 with an adjustable harness. So I can get a bag which will grow as your child grows and everything in between. Yep. Um, and probably the best thing of those as well is that um, Osprey has always been really well known for a really well-designed bag that's well-built, backed up by a really strong warranty. Um, so a very sustainable story there as well. Um, but with Osprey, I guess that sort of goal over the next few years is to, I guess, strengthen that sustainability and move towards recycled content into the fabrics um, with a strong blue sign approved um, fabric content as well. So that's something you'll see from this season. So the kids' range, they have those bags and some of the urban bags, the Arcanes, which are an awesome work urban bag, they had an update as well. So they've all got resolved content. And as new bags are released over the next umpteen years, as things get updated or released, and they'll all be looking at having some sort of content of um, recycled and or blue sign approved fabrics, which is, I guess, a great environmental story as well, which is something that Osprey's always strived of for the last um, 40 years of inception of a well-designed, durable bag in the first place, but then being able to add that recycled content story to the um, build makes it a more sustainable. And it's all post-consumer um, recycled content as well. So I guess the easiest analogy to think about is water bottles. So some of the smaller arcane water um, day bags, which are about 20 litres, 25 litres, they contain sort of 
13 to 15 to 16 one, um, 500 mil water bottles. That's what the easiest thing to think about is how that sort of that content has come from. So it's okay. all consumer, post-consumer um, recycled content. That's good. I think that's uh, that seems to be something that seems to be spreading through the outdoor industry in particular. That uh, trying to incorporate recycled materials where they can, and you know, companies are doing it as they can and as new product comes onto the line. So it's good to see. Yeah, it's awesome. I guess in a perfect world, Osprey would have loved to be able to flick a switch and all their bags would be updated to recycled content overnight. Um, but it's a little bit trickier with sort of hard goods, just because um, the longevity of a bag. Um, when a new bag is released, generally it has sort of three years in the market before they even start looking at updating or tweaking it and so forth, um, where clothing is a little more nimble in the way that you can update fabrics a little bit quicker. Um, so some of, I guess, our peers in the industry, especially in the clothing sort of side, their, I guess their move towards recycled content has been definitely a little bit quicker than Osprey's, um, but that's probably the key decision there or the key factor that holds things down is a little bit is just that um, to flick a switch and change all the bags in one year um, would almost be unsustainable in the way that you'd have a lot of bags that would sort of cross over here and there and so forth. So um, as the next couple of years move on, there's some really exciting things on the next few years um, from some meetings we've seen and so forth, digital Zoom meetings like everyone now um, with US and Europe, seeing what's coming out and having some sort of saying what's coming out as well. Um, there's some really exciting things coming out over the next few years um, and they'll all have that content of sustainable recycled content fabrics, um, which is awesome for the environment because what we all love to do is enjoy the environment and the outdoors and we can do our bit to help. Okay. One Probably the most exciting thing that we've got coming out for, um, for Osprey for the next little bit is the much-anticipated update to the POCO, which has been out... Um, which the POCO, for those that don't know, is our child carrier from sort of a six-month to 18-month, two-year age, maybe a bit over again, depending on the weight of the child, up to about 18 kilos of child can carry. Um, there's, or maybe there's a update to that, which if people have looked around, they've probably seen it on the Osprey US or European websites. Um, but due to, I guess, the factories, Osprey's factories, capacity not being able to handle an entire world's needs of a POCO plus the other backpacks they made. Um, the rest of the world has been a little bit slow to be able to get access to the POCO kit carrier. So that's out in the next couple of months. So that will sort of launch in September, October, once our summer season kicks off. Um, and that's something we're really excited for. Um, as I was pointing on before with the amount of families getting out and young families as well, um, getting out and enjoying the outdoors, wanting to get their children um involved in the outdoors. Um, it's something that we've been missing out a little bit there. We're all, our AG POCO has been out of stock for a while. It's sold through, so we're really stoked that the new one will be here soon. I think from memory, they should just left Vietnam, the factories over there this week, so it's on a slow boat to Australia, um, and it will be unboxed and unpacked and out of container and in our retailers' doors in a few months' time. So that's something that we're we were stoked on that um, that new bag, updated bag, will be available in Australia soon. Yeah, I think certainly the uh, the the Australia Poco backpack is probably one of the mainstays of of child carriers in the world. Uh, you know, I think every time I see a, a child in a backpack, it's it's one of the Ospreys. So 
Um, yeah, it's. I think people, as you say, if it's been off the market, there's probably a lot of lot of parents with younger children that are eagerly waiting to to pick them up. Now, moving away from gear, I mean, this 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 year, two thousand and twenty, has been uh, been an interesting year to say the least. Um, have you seen the industry change in this this last sort of six to so, six or so months? Uh, what sort of, what's been the impact? Yeah, it's certainly been a challenging year. I guess for us on the East Coast, there was bushfires over summer. So a lot of our, um, I guess down near where you are in Canberra, a lot of the national parks around there were affected by fires and up and down the coast in New South Wales, Victoria, Queensland, a little bit of Tassie, and I think even over Western Australia and South Australia, so Kangaroo Island, a bit of basically everywhere, um, had some sort of effect from bushfires, um, which put a bit of a, I guess, a damper on things over the sort of like Christmas sort of period. So I think a lot of people had plans to get out and go bushwalking and those sort of things. So trying to find areas where have opened up now, um, there's definitely more and more parks opening up. Um, and then we sort of got the double whammy of COVID. I thought we'd sort of moved on and the bushfires would sort of jump that hurdle. Let's continue. Um, and then COVID popped up as well. So that's definitely been a challenging sort of um, scope. I guess definitely um, blessed that we are in Australia and not in some other areas of the world where COVID's have been more and more of a, a struggle um, to look after that. So I think we're, we've done, we're very lucky that where we are sort of been able to contain things a little bit more comfortably. And over the last few months, me being in New South Wales since the start of June, that regional travels opened up and I've been able to get out and enjoy the outdoors more. Um, and I guess we've seen the same sort of thing. There was definitely some quiet periods there where we were sort of a little bit more home, homely, um, wearing another hat, Rumple, which is another brand we do. That's sort of a um, synthetic field blankets, which can be used for both outdoor and, and indoor use. There's a lot of people hibernating at home, and as it got chillier, Rumple became definitely something that we really found off, had a lot of popularity there. But when I got, I'm stuck at home, I'm working from home, I'm just chilling on the couch a bit more, so... I want to be nice and cosy. Um, and then when things open up, I still want to go camping with the family. So we found Rumpel's done actually really, really well this season, um, where I guess naturally a larger volume hiking backpack or a wheeled luggage piece has been a little bit more tricky. But as things definitely open up over the next or currently and into the future, um, definitely there's light at the end of the tunnel and we're optimistic that things will get a bit more back to normal and people will really, I think, over the last few months have really started to appreciate the outdoors more and taking their family out my hiking trail locally, my bike trails locally. I've never seen them busier and they still are really, really, really busy, um, which is awesome. It means more families are getting out into the outdoors and enjoying it. Yeah, um, yeah. So it's something that I think over the next few months and into next year we're definitely optimistic. We're really excited about the new products that are coming out and um, we're optimistic that – everyone will be able to get out there and enjoy them in some sort of manner, yeah. So we've been talking to Dave Casey from Outdoor Agencies. Uh, thanks very much for your time. Thank you, Tim. That was great. Thank you. Okay, so that was Dave Casey from Outdoor Agencies. And Outdoor Agencies, um, probably best known for being the supplier of Osprey packs. Uh, but in this case, we talked about the arcade belts, Osprey and a few other products, which we'll just briefly talk about. Now, one of the the things that um, 
uh, outrageous he's ever released just recently um, over the last few months is the arcade belts. And I must admit, I'm I'm a typical sort of product of my generation. It's pretty rare that I don't wear a belt, uh, but it's always been difficult when hiking because I will lose a bit of weight over a multi-week week hike, and as a result, I need a belt to be able to cinch up the pants. As keep a, as keep a, your pants up. Keep the pants up, yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I've always found the belts that have been available previously have just felt uncomfortable underneath the, um, the cummerbund of a uh, – uh, pack, or or else it's um, it's sad a bit funny, but in the case of the arcade belts, they they have they're advertised by the company as the world's most comfortable belt, and I think I'd probably agree with them on this. They really are a very very comfortable belt, stretchy material. Um, I up until about a month or so ago was the heaviest I've ever been, uh, and. Um, you know, it stretched far enough. It stretched, stretched far enough, but it'll also cinch up as well. So, the belt that Jill uses, uh, which is a um, a slim, which is basically the same length but not as wide, um, you know, she's got that cinched reasonably well up uh, to suit her waist, uh, and it works in really well. So, um, you know, even when you do pull them up, the cinching is on the inside of the belt. Uh, which means you don't have this long tongue hanging off and getting in the way. Yeah, I do. I do agree. I'm a little bit like Tim. Uh, always, always wearing a belt of some kind, even when I'm not um, hiking. And uh, these arcade belts are really very comfortable and and soft. Um, move with your body, um, whereas you know the others that we've been wearing, um, because you know there's pretty much wasn't anything else. Um, they are much tougher in terms of stiffness um, and not as flexible and certainly not not stretchy. So I think these are these are likely to become a fashion item. As Dave talked about in the interview, he said that you know if you want you can actually flip them over and you know, so if you want a straight black belt rather than having any sort of colours on you can do them you can do that. Uh, and I must admit I think they're likely to be a fashion item because um, you know you could get get different ones to suit your mood on the day. So, um, uh, they, I just keep flipping it from one side to another. That's yeah. it. That's it. Yeah, I mean, it is a little bit fiddly to get the the threading done, so I wouldn't want to um, flip it too often, but I guess you could do that. Uh, so you can read our, our review of these belts uh, on the Australian Hiker website. And if you go to the uh, show notes for this podcast, episode 156, we'll have the link to our review that we've done over the last four or five days. Now, the, the main product that certainly that uh, adventure agencies sell is the Osprey Packs. Uh, and Osprey are probably the best recognised and most widely sold packs worldwide. Um, and they do, obviously, a range of hiking packs. Um, but in this case here, Dave was saying that the main changes for this season are the kids' hiking range uh, that have been updated. And the idea with the kids' range is they will grow over a period of years, so you're not stuck with a, a pack that's only suitable for two or three years and then it's gone. Um, they do ranges of packs that, that will expand and lengthen and increase in size and last kids for a number of years. Maybe they... Uh, the, the kids won't keep them for the life of the pack. They'll probably outgrow them eventually, but it means they will get quite a few years out of them, uh, which makes them, means they're not something you have to replace every year or every every two years. And I think that's one of those great things for parents. Um, sometimes you make a decision about investing in something uh, on the basis that 
it will or won't last for a, a length of time. But something like a pack, I mean, it does need to uh, fit well to be uh, comfortable, particularly if you're expecting them to, uh, you know, carry their load. Um, then they need a comfortable pack to do that. And it sounds as if, the, you know, these are a great option and, and will stay with the growth of the child for a number of years. And uh, Dave was also saying that Osprey uh, um, seem to be going along with uh, with a lot of the other players within the industry uh, where they're placing a greater um, emphasis on sustainability uh, and they're starting to use recycled content within their packs. And as you said, you, know, you can't just throw out a whole, whole range of packs that are sitting there. So as, they, uh, as the packs get redone, the recycled content will come into them uh, and they'll be much, much better for the environment. So that's good to see. Now, still on the child theme, uh, the Poco Child Carrier, which is probably one of the best-known child-carrying packs in the world, uh, almost without fail, every time I see a child in a pack, it's pretty much in an Osprey uh, child carrier. Uh, and these have, the demand for these hasn't been able to be kept up. So there is a shortage of these worldwide. Um, and particularly with COVID in place, uh, the production of a lot of um, of outdoor products has been impacted. Um, so uh, Dave was saying that the um, the 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 newer updates for the, the Poco packs will be in the stores in September, October. Uh, they're actually on the water at the moment, making their way to Australia. So for those parents with young children uh, who are looking for a child-carrying pack, um, we're not too far away now, given that we're sort of early August. So within sort of uh, four to eight weeks, they should be in the country and in the stores ready to go. Now, we also asked Dave about what he saw was happening within the industry uh, over the last sort of six to eight months, and not unexpectedly, he said it's been a challenging year. <laughs> uh, and, and I think, you know, listening to his interview, you know, the, the whole thing of the supply chain has been impacted. So, you know, the factories overseas aren't producing as much as they would usually because um, they've been limited to um, uh, what they can and can't do. The freight system worldwide has become a real issue. Um, that freight is, because of all the, most of the planes aren't flying, um, uh, the freight costs have skyrocketed. So um, certainly even when you can get product, it becomes, you know, there's got to be a viable point when you can shift stuff. And that certainly had a big impact. Um, so, um, but he did say that brands like Rumpel, which is probably the best way to think about Rumpel is a, is a, an outdoor blanket. They're a, a waterproof style blanket uh, that can be used as just a thrower or a quilt. Um, but he said they, the sales of those has been really good because people have been looking at products that they can use at home while they are spending so much time at home, but also something they can take out camping and hiking when they go as well. So you know, it's, um, it's interesting to see you know, that some products are selling really well, others not so well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think that's probably a little bit of a theme as well. I mean, not, it's not just about... Uh, the sustainable um, production and materials, but people are looking at uh, one item that can be used for a number of different um, purposes and get you know getting value and getting wear out of um, those sorts of choices. What Dave was saying that uh, where possible, uh, he's seen a lot more people out either walking or cycling on the trail more so than he normally would. 
So as people can't get out and travel and do things, they're trying to get out and do a bit of exercise and spend time with the family. So that's that's one positive that's come out of this, that people are getting out on trail and doing a bit more exercise. Sticking to their local trails. Um, yeah, we all know about the, the big uh, purchasing of bicycles and uh, um, if you've already got a bicycle, there's been a big upswing in um, repairing and maintain, maintaining your bicycle. <laughs> we did that. And overall, as, as a last comment from Dave, he said that he was optimistic about the future. And I think that's the thing that once we, we, we do eventually get over COVID and we you know, and, and re- uh, all the towns recover from the fires, which was seemed so long ago, uh, I think people will be starting to look at where they can go and what they can do, particularly given that overseas travel, I think, is going to be curtailed for at least the next sort of six to 12 months. Uh, so people will be spending much more time discovering their own country. Okay, so that was Outdoor Agencies, uh, and we talked about a number of interesting products through there. Next, we're going to talk to John Pote from Wilderness Wear, uh, and we've talked to Wilderness Wear over the last couple of years. So, John, thank you for taking the time, and I'll get you to give a bit of introduction to Wilderness Wear and tell us what's new for the upcoming year. All right, thanks, Tim. Always a, a pleasure to talk. Uh, for those who don't know Wilderness Wear, I suppose it's summed up in um, this statement. Uh, we're 200% Australian, 100% owned and 100% made. And I suppose if you extrapolate it out, we could be 300% uh, because we try and source uh, most of the materials we use uh, from Australia. So all of our merino is uh, from Tasmania. And it's, you know, full transparency with that. Um, it's certified um, all the way from the from the half a dozen farms that we, we talked to down in Tassie. Okay, that's good. So what's what's new in the coming year for, for Wilderness Wear? Um, well, I think with with the, the nature of where we are um, as a country and um, in, 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 in retail and people's thinking, uh, we're, we're looking to introduce sort of key pillars to our brand um, and those being sustainability, transparency, environmental innovation and the use of in, intelligent yarns and fibres. Um, and I think if we can build on those pillars with our product, uh, then we're in a good place to to move forward in 2021 and onwards. Um, and new, is there any new product coming onto the market, or are you you pretty much just consolidating from the last few years? Oh, we're we're definitely consolidating, but you always need to move forward. Um, so looking on those intelligent yarns and fibres that I spoke about, um, we're looking at using an alpaca marina blend. Um, and using using this fibre, it's it's 100% natural fibre, compostable, and 100% degradable. So what's and also the, the, and zero dye stuffs and chemical chemicals are used. So we call it sort of not natural colours, but nature colours. So what 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 is it? What's so special about alpaca? I've heard a few people talk about it, uh, and I know and I know from a luxury clothing point of view. You know, coats and jumpers and things, but why? Why is it any better or any different than 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 uh, wool from sheep? Well, look, it's it's a um, you get a higher, it's it's lighter in weight, 
and it provides higher thermal properties than just a straight 100% merino yarn. Um, and, and with that, it, it's just looking at the products that we introduce it to being a, an alpine mountaineering sock where you are getting sort of sub-zero temperatures uh, and also looking at a, a Sherpa-style mid-layer jacket um, that just, you know, um, goes hand in hand with, with that natural natural uh, fibre and look. Okay. Yeah, no, as I said, I've been hearing a lot of uh, from some of the American podcasts I listen to about alpaca being mentioned. And it's just, as I said, it's just something I haven't heard in the hiking industry or the outdoor industry before, more in the in the luxury clothing area. So it's just interesting to hear that we we are starting to use it in 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 this sort of uh, field. Yeah, look, it's it's an expensive yarn, um, but like anything good, you 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 you've got to pay for it. Um, and and I think it's with it being on that higher price point, it, it does knock out a lot of the, the 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 brands that are you know looking at more commodity and and sort of value at the lower price point. Um, so it's look, it, it was a consideration to us using it, but uh, we've we've just introduced it this year in in, in the that melt mountainly alpine sock, and we sold out. Um, and they're retailing at the you know fifty dollar plus uh, price point for a pair of socks. So to sell out was it was was interesting, um, and the theme, feedback um, from end users has been extremely positive. So this this is a sock then that, that is already on the market. It was available, um, but from that, with the success we had, you know, it will certainly continue next year and, and also into that sort of mid-layer jacket where we it, it will sort of fit a, a certain need. Okay. And what was what was the name of that sock? When you know, Is it still on your website or...? Um... Uh, it'll be on the website. It's called the Trax Mountaineer Sock. And you'll see the the natural colours, you know, very or nature colours. Um, so that that zero dye stuffs and chemicals. Um, that's that's a, you know, it's it's all about that sustainability uh, pillar. So I'm just looking, just looking at it now. So it's a, it's a, um, so it's a, it's a long sock. So it's a full height, high cushioning and and, and but lightweight. So it's looking looking like it's it's definitely a wintertime sock. Uh, oh, definitely. And, and also given the name as well. So. Okay, that's good. That's uh, I must admit, I, I I tend not to look at long, heavy-duty socks. It's not something that's it's typically uh, found in my my cupboard. But it's uh, it looks like it's a uh, it's it's as you say, it's all natural uh, dyes. So it's um, uh, yeah, as I said, no chemical dyes in there. So it's actually a quite a nice-looking sock. Mm, certainly is. Okay, um, and any other new products that are, that are due to come out that you can talk about? Uh, yeah, well, I suppose one that's it's it's out now. Probably not so much in the, in the hiking area, but it, it's a sock that can be used for trail runners. Um, and it's one of these from the pillars, the intelligent fibres that we use. Uh, so we have a, a luminous glow yarn that we knit into the socks. So it just increases nighttime, early morning visibility if you're running, walking, riding. Um, so it's it's a non-toxic fibre and free from any harmful substances and and it glows in the dark it's a luminous glow um and 
it glows after absorbing sunlight for three minutes or luminous light for 10 minutes. So it's a process of absorbing, emitting, storing, absorbing, emitting, storing, repeated forever. And that's the atmosphere sock, is it? Uh, well, it's in the atmosphere trail running sock, and it's also in um, our glow-in-the-dark uh, velo cycling sock. Okay, so I've got a couple of options there. I have used the, the atmosphere socks, and they are quite a, a, a comfortable sort of sock, uh, particularly if you want a lighter weight sock. And I know a lot of people prefer the heavier weights, but uh, certainly from my perspective, it, it was it was quite a comfortable sock to wear. So um, and it is a bit quirky looking at that, that as you say, that reflective material uh, as, you know, when you're wandering around at night time with them. <laughs> yes, indeed. Now, I believe there was uh, one other interesting product that you mentioned that it'd be interesting having a chat about. I suppose there's, there's one thought bubble that, that we're working on, and it's um, a snake bite sock, um, which you know, we're looking at trying to, you know, those on the trails, whether it's hiking or running in the, in the warmer months, it's always a consideration. Um, and wearing thick, heavy gaiters is not the most comfortable thing to do. Um, so using some, some high-level yarns of Kevlar and Vectrin, um, and looking at a two-layer upper sock um, using those yarns um, that hopefully will prevent punches and scrapes and, and repel venom, um, and then the foot section being a merino natural, the natural uh, fibre um, for comfort. So it's, it's a work in progress. All right. And that, so when do, you, when do you think that might be – is it going to be a couple of years off, do you think, or is it it's, it's ready when it's ready? Oh, well, a couple of years. I hope it's sooner than that, uh, by the end of the year. Um, so, you know, we, we have the, the yarns. It's just a matter of getting that um, the knit tight enough and comfortable enough that um, it will prevent um, any sort of punctures. Yeah, and I suppose in the, in that respect, it's um, I wouldn't want to try it with some of the the larger, more aggressive snakes. But certainly, I I was actually surprised to find out that things like the uh, the brown snakes have actually got fairly tiny fangs in comparison to you know things like um, funnel web spiders. And uh, um, you know, and it's uh, if you can prevent them from if you, you may not be wearing these as your sole sole protection, but uh, I must admit I'm not a a gator, a gator wearer in most cases. And having a sock that would prevent on the off chance that I came across a snake wouldn't be a bad option. Well, we're fingers crossed. Okay. Okay. Now, one of the questions I've been asking people is how has the last sort of six to eight months been between the bushfires and between COVID? Uh, have you seen much of an impact on um, uh, people's purchasing on product or or what they're doing as far as outdoors is concerned well i suppose initially for the for the bushfires that impacted on a lot of our bricks and mortar retailers we, we certainly saw a downturn in um in their purchasing of our product um and then to, right after that we had COVID hit um, and again, there was 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 a downturn, downturn, especially when the the bricks and mortar stores were um, in, in shutdown mode. Um, but on the other hand, our online sales certainly did increase. Um, so you know, people at home looking online and uh, coming across our brand and uh, and looking that well. 
we still need to get outdoors and be outside, whether it's walking around the block or, or you know, as the um, lockdowns were released, still looking to go local rather than international. So it, it certainly was an increase in the online sales. And as the stores have reopened, there certainly has been an increase in the um, in the stores with their foot traffic and, and obviously with stocking wilderness wear. So we've sort of seen the last two months has certainly has been a, a huge increase in as much as where we, we carry a lot of stock, um, but you know we're we're almost struggling to keep up with demand. Yep, yep, no, that's good. It's good. It's sort of it's um, you know, as you say, people have always people always need to buy socks and um, uh, they always need to replace clothing when it wears out, and it's. Uh, uh, and I think as as we're hitting the colder months of the year now, and and people are able to now access the the parks and reserves that have been sort of locked away for so long, I think people are uh, people are definitely getting back out on the trail again. Yeah, and it's a great thing. All right, so we've been talking to John Pote from Wilderness Wear. Thanks very much for taking the time to talk to us. All right, thanks, Tim. So that was John Pote from Wilderness Wear, and Wilderness Wear, as many of you are, are probably aware, is a uh, Australian-owned, Australian-made, and to a great extent, Australian product uh, for clothing. And, and certainly, their focus is on um, uh, the underlayers, so uh, socks, um, uh, buffs, uh, and uh, thermal wear, uh, and. They, it was an it was an interesting talk actually. I think um, a couple of things that surprised me in some respect is you know how many different types of socks do you need, um, and obviously the answer is you can never have too many. Many. <laughs> yeah. uh, so you know John's John's view was there and a bit of consolidation year this year, and I think that's one of the advantages of when you're when you have control of uh, the company and you you're not. Uh, beholden to overseas suppliers, you can shut things down reasonably quickly or ramp them up when need be, so long as you have the raw materials. So a couple of things new for Wilderness Wear, uh, the alpaca and merino blend socks. Uh, So this is using natural fibre and it's not dyed. So as I said, we'll have photos of this on the show notes with the links to these, also with links to these on the Wilderness Wear website. And they're using natural colours, so the whites, the browns, the greys and the black, uh, all from the animals not having dye added to them. So that's a, you know, it's a way of getting a product to the market that looks pretty good, actually. It surprised me, uh, uh, as well as uh, you know, being environmentally friendly as well. It's a really interesting aesthetic, isn't it? And, and um, it's something that, I think we need to get used to. Um, sometimes when we see those natural colours, uh, we're possibly not as attracted to them uh, as we might otherwise be. We, you know, look for bright things. Um, it, it's a little bit like the more natural fruit and veggies in the um, uh, in the supermarket rather than. You know the brightly polished, you know, waxed, waxed red fruit and red apples and those sorts of things. You know, I think it does mean that we need to approach the clothing from a slightly different perspective, and uh, you know, not look for the bright colours in our stores. 
And I think the other advantage is um, I'd heard of a lot of manufacturers, both overseas and in, and just starting into Australia to a great extent, using alpaca. And I know alpaca, particularly with jumpers and coats and things like that, is a really high quality material. And from a you know, John was saying that the, really the the advantages of of including alpaca wool into the mix is it's lighter in weight, it has better thermal properties than straight merino. Uh, and yeah, and you do you are picking up the colours in the actual the natural colours in the wool itself. So that sock that John was talking about was the Tracks Mountaineer sock, which yeah they said they've pretty much sold out of. So I think when we uh, did this interview, I think there was women's socks available, but I don't think there was anything available in the men's. And these and these you know given the name that they are a mountaineering sock, they're a, a wintertime sock. They're not a lightweight summer sock. Uh, but those of you who are looking at a long sock that's got a bit of warmth, good option. The other thing that uh, John talked about was the glow-in-the-dark socks, and we did talk to John about the Atmosphere socks last year, uh, but they're saying the range has increased. So we've now got the Velo uh, Night Glow sock, which is actually aimed at cyclists, uh, and it's got a nice large uh, glow-in-the-dark strip on them. So particularly when you're out at night time and you're trying to be visible, having additional reflection on any piece of clothing that you can is always a good safety aspect. Um, and I, I know with using the atmosphere socks, yeah, it's it, it's just really strange to see this glow in the dark material, and it is it is the material. So, mm-hmm. you know, and they've they've just sewn these these bands or these these patches into these uh, the socks, and they look quite good. Yeah, I think I must look a bit odd running down the road in the dark. <laughs> just a little hoppy. <laughs> now, the thing that really was interesting and I'm really looking forward to seeing where it goes to over the next sort of six to 12 months is that John was talking about the snake bite sock. Uh, and this is a sock designed to present, prevent or minimize the impact of snake bite. And they're using high technology materials, uh, including Kevlar, uh, and also, but also in the actual manufacturing process, getting a nice tight weave. Uh, things like brown snakes have actually got a fairly small fang on them. Uh, and as I mentioned in the interview, um, the Sydney funnel web spider has actually got bigger fangs than the, the brown snakes do. So something that, that prevents or minimises the, uh, the, the fangs from getting into there uh, without having to wear gaiters uh, is going to be a good option. Yeah, yeah. I must admit, when he started to talk about the snake bite sock, I was thinking, why are we attracting um, snakes to bite us? <laughs> but anyway, um, maybe it's the no snake bites yeah, sock yeah. is a better name. But, but it, so it'll be interesting to see what happens with that. John was saying, hopefully by the end of two thousand and twenty, uh, and I think it is. You know, it's a combination of the the materials, it's a combination of the weave and the construction, and I think it's, you know, they're obviously going to have to try and encourage and and, and use mannequins and things to try and encourage snakes, <laughs> snakes to see what happens. So it will be interesting to see when they come out. I mean, it's great innovation and, I, I you know, I think uh, even, um, uh, you know, all of the companies that we've uh, heard from so far are really thinking about what's different, what's next, and uh, it's it's not the usual sort of, you know, turn it out in a different colour and and that'll satisfy the consumer kind of thinking. Yeah, but so between the you know, things like the the mountaineer, the tracks mountaineer sock, and you know the um, the velo night glow socks and the uh, the snake bike sock, it's 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 a, a way of using technology and um, uh, 
manufacturing processes to come up with different products and as Jill said not just a, a throw a different color in there to make it make it uh, yeah. a new seasons color so in talking to John about how he saw the industry he's, you know he said there was definitely a notice a noticeable downturn both after the bushfires for the bricks and mortar stores and then uh, following along from that with uh, with covid as well um but, you know, the comment that he did make, and this doesn't surprise me, that online sales increased quite dramatically at some point when people became housebound. And I must admit, we were some of those people, um, <laughs> you know, no, no, longer, no longer able to go to the shops even to buy a coffee and things like that. It was, what can we buy online? So, you know, I think we probably did more online purchasing uh you know, March, April than we'd done probably in the previous year put together. Yeah, look, there was almost every day at some at one point uh, that a little parcel would be dropped at the front door and, um, uh, you know, when, when you're in lockdown, it was a little bit like Christmas. So, yeah, it was, it was the joy, joy of our day. Okay, so next we're going to be talking to Greg Ford from Spelian. Now, Spelian is one of those companies that stocks a number of well-known brands like Petzl, uh, Thermarest, MSR uh, and Buff, uh, as well as many, many other brands which you have probably been buying for a number of years but may not know where it comes from. So, Greg, thanks for taking the time to uh, talk to Australian Hiker. Oh, thanks for having me. All right, now let's go through and have a look at some of the uh, the, the main brands or the most well-known brands. So I believe Buff's got a, a few new items coming out for the year. Yeah, they, they do. Um with the the current global situation and the uh, uh, the pandemic that that's hitting the world, they uh, have put a lot of their resources into producing a a mask. Um, and it's not not just a, a normal piece of material mask; it's actually a, a filter mask, and it um, I- includes uh, a ninety eight percent filtration efficiency um, replaceable filter that uh, is made in Germany. Um, it's a three-layer filter system, um, and uh, they are designed to essentially um, be replaceable um, after 24 hours. They're a non-reusable uh, filter, but the mask itself um, can actually obviously be reused and washed. Yeah, yeah. So so you've got the um, a material component, and then you've got the actual filter component on top of that as well. That's right. Um, and these are arriving into Australia in the next uh, week or so. Um, they'll be available at a number of outdoor stores, but they're uh, they the mask comes as a in a single pack, um, and it includes five replacement filters, um, and you're able to get uh, a pack of thirty replacement filters uh, as an uh, as an option as well. All right. Now that sounds good. Now, as as a uh, just as a, a note here, I will be putting images on some of this stuff on our show notes for these this episode. So if you want to see what they look like, um, uh, go to the show notes, and that'll give you a better indication. Okay. So uh, so in, in part from the um, uh, the actual mask itself, is Buff Buff releasing any new product, or is it more uh, they just doing new designs here and there, and it's pretty much the same sort of range. 
Yeah, look, it is with buff. They, uh, it's certainly seen as a fashion item, uh, a, a buff a headwear, and so they uh, generally twice a year or, or seasonality uh, release different colours. Uh, the styles themselves have stayed the same. Over the years, they've they've updated their materials. Um, the, the most recent update on the on the material is the. Um, the microfiber that they they're using is actually UPF rated as well. Um, uh, they they did used to use a Coolmax, and they've moved recently to a new fabric called a Coolnet, which is also fifty plus UPF rated. So yeah, a bit of update on the material, but certainly the the colours is the and style uh, color styles is the main thing that they've updated. All right, no, that's good, it's, and it's, I think uh, you know, certainly for me, I own a number of buffs, and, it, and and in a lot of cases, it's more about the time of the year and and what I'm feeling like on the day about which one I pick. So, um, I, I must admit, I do like the Larry colours on them. So, um, whereas I know a lot of people probably prefer the more plainer plainer stylings. Yeah, certainly black's our most popular colour. <laughs> Okay, so moving on to from Buff, um, Thermarest. When we caught up with you last year, uh, Thermarest were uh, about to release a new valve system for their sleeping mats. Now, I believe that's now become available? That, that's right. So uh, earlier this year, um, all the mats that we have been received from Thermarest uh, included the new wing lock valve uh, for the smaller standard hiking mats and then there's also a, a valve called a twin lock valve and they're for the larger sleeping mats um, which have a have two one-way valves back on the wing lock valve uh, what that offers is faster inflation three times than any other of uh, their older classic valves it's a one-way inflation as well so it uh, keeps the air from escaping during inflation by having a little check valve uh, at the back of the valve. It's uh, quite, it's large enough to be used when you're, you uh, have gloves on your hands and it's also off the sleeping surface. So it's not on the top of the mat. Um, it's comfortably positioned off the sleeping surface. So it, it is on the, on the edge. All right. And uh, sorry, the, the name with the, the wing lock valve, um, it includes what they call their deflation wings. So when it's time to, to pull down your, your campsite, you um, open those wings. And what that does is that then allows the air to bypass that check, the one way check valve that I spoke about earlier. And it then deflates the mat uh, much faster than it, uh, twice as fast than it ever used to. I must admit, when I saw it um, on at the, the outdoor retailer show last year, I thought it was a, a pretty good improvement. It's always you know you, you, you soon learn about blowing and blowing and blocking off or twisting it closed every each time between you have the breath. And that this new system sounds like it'll be a much easier process to to inflate and to deflate as well. Yeah, certainly they they made um, there was over a hundred prototypes that they they went through trying to get this right. Um, there were more than five hundred. 500 nights in the in the field that they they took these mats out on and tested countless tests in their in their lab that they have in their factory they they took a lot of time to make sure that they they got it right they they certainly knew they had to improve on their classic valve and and I think they've they've done a good job now, I think one other thing that's happened with not just um, Thermarest sleeping mats, but sleeping mats in general, that in the States they've gone through and, and really enforced the, the use of the, the R ratings to get a standardised rating. And I believe that's actually increased some of the ratings of your mats? Yeah, it has. Thermarest have always uh, done their own uh, val uh, sorry, R value um, 
checking uh, that they have their own test lab within their their factory, um, and it was always uh, pegged alongside a, a sort of a, a standard. And um, so they they worked with what they call the um, the ASTM committee, um, and, along with some other larger map manufacturers as, as well, to provide a standardised R value. And um, with that, yes, certainly some of the therm rests um, increased in their R value, which was great. Some some did also go slightly down. Um, but what the good thing to know is that if you had a therm rest that you bought, say in 2010, that was had an R value of 2.3, um, it may be rated now at uh, 2.5. Um, you can know that your 2.3 mat was actually, you know, is R value rated at 2.5. That um, it, it's purely just the way they measure the data. And I think your the the warmest mat in the or the uh, yeah, I suppose warmest is probably the way to describe it in, in the range. The Xerm, it's now got an R value of I think 6.9 from memory. Uh, yes, it does. That 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 pretty much puts it, I think, at the top of the market at the moment as far as a warmth rating is concerned. And I think for those really cold sleepers or those going into extreme conditions, um, it's certainly one to look at for the for the for the really cold and uh, uh, when you need that extra bit of warmth. Yeah, um, the the other the other great um, improvement for the. Uh the, the R value mats was the uh, their most popular mat, which was the the Prolite. Um, that that also had uh, had changed slightly as well, which is um, you know made it uh, essentially um, a much warmer offering. All right, so moving on from Thermarest, then um, we've now got. Um uh, MSR. Now, MSR is well known for doing a range of tents, uh, their tent pegs in particular, uh, and also a range of stoves. Um, so what's, uh, uh, what's new or what's upcoming in relation to, uh, to, to stoves or, or MSR in particular? Um, certainly, there's, there's, we're still waiting on the uh, release of the Pocket Rocket Deluxe. Uh, that, that's a, a stove that has been manufactured. It's ready to go. We have the stock available here in Australia. We just need the AOK from the AGA. We're under, we do understand that the test has been done. It has been approved. We're just waiting on the, the red tape. Um, other things from MSR, um, certainly for 2021, um, they have a, a new filter offering um, along their lines of microfilters and purifiers. They've, they've done the Guardian for some time, which is a chemical-free purifier. And, 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 uh, the, and the the Guardian actually does uh, viruses as well, doesn't it? Yeah, being being a purifier, that that's right. The, the, uh, there's two terminologies. One's called a microfilter, and one's called a purifier. The, the microfilter itself doesn't um, eliminate viruses or or filter out viruses, and a purifier does actually do the microfiltering, plus also um, takes out any viruses as well. And uh, so, yes, so the Guardian being a, a purifier, it, uh, it's been available for a number of years. Uh, but next year for 2021, they're actually releasing a Guardian gravity filter. So that'll be a, the, the Guardian mechanism or the, the, the purification mechanism somehow attached to a, a, a gravity filter. Uh, so you're not having to sit there and pump away like you do with the, uh, the current pump style Guardian. That's exactly right. So this is you. You turn up at camp. You fill up your your uh, four liter water bag, uh, hang it on a tree, and essentially come back uh, a couple of minutes later, and and you have uh, some purified water there ready to go. 
Okay, that's good. Yeah, and I think that's that's the thing. As you say, there's a lot of lot of filtration style units around, but purification units uh, are pretty few and far between. So, particularly for those people travelling to uh, some of the Asian countries where viruses in the water can be an issue, uh, definitely something a product that's definitely going to be worthwhile looking at. Yep. Okay, and you mentioned that um, there's also some other filters you said were coming out from um, from uh, MSR as well. So uh, the other filter that, or micro filter, again back on that, uh, we did speak or touch on that last year. It's called the ThruLink. Uh, the the ThruLink micro filter is a um, inline um, filter that you can attach to any hydration pack. Um, it has a two stage filtration mechanism. It has the um, uh, hollow fiber which takes removes all the pathogens and particulate um, and it also has some activated carbon which takes out any odors or tastes as well um, that's called the through link that's uh, we did mention that last year but that ha- ha- is now available for uh, 2020 all right that's good the other uh, filter um, we do have uh, hitting the market is something called in 2021 is uh, the platypus uh, the platypus quick draw and it is a small filter that you're going to be able to attach to your uh, water bottle um, and essentially drink straight through that as well. That's a, uh, a hollow fiber uh, micro filter as well. Okay, it's always good. It's sort of um, I've been looking forward to uh, seeing what the, that little uh, through link filter was like. Um, uh, I've used that style of filter in the past, and it's got its pros and its cons. But it's you know basically you fill the bag up and you go, and it's 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 a very easy sort of process to work with. So uh, I think it'll be it'll be good to get a chance to actually test that out and see how it goes. Okay, so what other product are you dealing with that's, that's new and exciting that's coming onto the, the range in the next four to six months? Uh, certainly coming onto the range. Um, as, as you earlier mentioned, we, we distribute Petzl here in Australia and uh, we also have a new head torch coming out which is uh, called the Ico, I-K-O, and also the Ico Core. Uh, those two headlamps are uh, a new ultra-running headlamp and they are for um, lightweight uh, – it's a lightweight headlamp that sits on your head. It offers 500 lumens on the Ico Core. The Ico Core is rechargeable. It uses what they call their new AirFit headband, so it sits comfortably on the head, Um, and uh, as I said earlier, it's rechargeable. Okay. Now, what now? What makes it a a headlamp for – you said it's for trail runners or runners. Why is it a – what makes it suitable for trail runners as opposed to uh, any of the other headlamps that Petzl, Petzl produces? Um, one of one, or there's the two advantages that you need when you have a uh, a headlamp for running is certainly uh, it's it's lightweight um, offering, um, and uh, certainly these these are uh, extremely lightweight for its performance. Um, you're looking uh, at, at about eighty grams. Um, so it's extremely light for its its size. With it, it's what they're calling their airfit headband. Um, and the other offering, the other most important thing is the the lumen offering, five hundred lumens. Um, and with those lumens, the there's a number of LEDs. There's there's a um, there's about eight or nine LEDs in the uh, front of the the headlamp, and they're evenly distributed to provide a uniform lighting, so that when you do when you are running, um, you're getting no black spots. You're getting a nice visual optimal spread of light out the front of you. Okay, 
Uh, and I'm looking again. I'll put pictures of this up on, online on the show notes. I'm just looking at a picture of it now. It's sort of. Uh, it looks like it's got. It packs a bit of power, and 500 lumens is pretty impressive. So, uh, I think it would certainly do the job there. And, and the other advantage with that, it's it's part of the Petzl hybrid concept. And if you need to carry some spare batteries, you can carry a spare core battery, which is their rechargeable battery, or it's also compatible with three AAA batteries. Okay, so now moving on from uh, from gear-related stuff, one of the questions we've been asking uh, manufacturers and suppliers is, how have you seen the start to 2020? What's what, have there been any silver linings, or it's all just been a bit of a, a bit of a frenzied response? Oh, look, to, to be honest, it uh, the year started off well as as a supply for outdoor gear in Australia. Um, the year. While you know we were just coming off the back of the bushfires, it didn't look too bad. Um, people were looking forward to to getting to getting out as areas opened up again. Um, and then, of course, unfortunately, the the pandemic hit, and uh, that certainly has had a huge impact on all industries uh, nationwide. And and the outdoor industry certainly has been one of those. We've we've certainly had some outdoor store closures. Um, we've had many stores on reduced hours, and. Uh, you know, we've really been encouraging people to support their their local stores. Um, one, dare I say, it, you know, silver lining, promising thing is, uh, you know, Buff for us has certainly done done very well. Um, there's there's been a lot of people out there that need face coverings, and uh, with the new Buff masks that are that are coming out, that that's certainly been been helpful to the market. Um, and we know a lot of the outdoor stores, while they've had reduced hours, that they, they have been doing quite well in their their mail order part departments. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it sounds pretty consistent. I think it's sort of. Um, I think uh, you know, we at some point we'll get back to whatever nor- the new normal is, uh, and things will start going back to normal again, and we'll start getting out there again. Um, uh, I, I think it's uh, as you say, supporting the local stores and support uh, buying from Australian companies and Australian uh, um, uh, stores is definitely the way to go. Okay, so we've been talking to Greg Ford from Spillian, and as we said, Spillian provides a number of well-known products in the market. Thanks very much for your time, Greg. No worries. Thanks, Tim. I appreciate the opportunity. So that was our interview with Greg Ford from Spillian, and as we said, Spillian tend to be a, a la- holder of a large stable of well-known outdoor products. So the first one we talked about was Buff, and and the main thing from them this year is the Buff filter mask. Now, uh, Greg was very careful to, to not say that this was had an Australian standard rating. Uh, it is coming out of Germany, uh, and it is selling well overseas. Uh, but again, it, it's it's not something that has an Australian standard number attached to it. Um, but you know, the first shipment has already sold out. There's a new shipment arriving. Um, not long after this podcast has been released, uh, so you should be able to start finding it in the stores uh, fairly soon, particularly at the moment where the uptake of mask usage looks like it's going to be well and truly something that's going to be with us. Um, People are starting to look at the options and opportunities and what they can wear. Um, Buff in general, um, it's one of these uh, things that... The actual material has improved over the last couple of years, so they're now material is now a 
higher UV protection. Uh, so that's always a bonus, particularly in the Australian environment. Uh, and as it is, as Greg did say, that it was a fashion item, updated colours and patterns. Um, I currently own three buffs. I did have four, but I've lost one somewhere over the last few months. It's in the house somewhere. It's in the sure. ha- yeah, it's in the house somewhere. So I, um, uh, as I said, I've got three buffs, and I tend to like like the bright, leery colours. But as he said, black is his bestseller. Is that uh, interesting, so, isn't it? Yeah, he did say that. Um, but, but I think it's more than um, a fashion item. I think it's it's something people use to express their personality. Yeah, it is, and there's they've got some they they've got some really larry ones on the market. But as as you said, you know, pe- uh, many people tend to be a bit more conservative, and and that's that's reflected as what I see on the trail. Uh, the next product we talked about was Thermares, uh, and particularly in Australia, they're well known for their sleeping mats. Um, uh, they were the uh, originators of the inflatable sleeping mat, uh, and um, there we talked about this last year at the outdoor retailer show uh, that they were about to release their new wing lock valves uh, in their hiking mats, uh, and they are now available on the hiking mats you'll purchase uh, from stores. If you are buying from non hiking related stores or old stock do check to see that you are getting the wing lock valve as opposed to the other valve. Um, if you are if you don't mind either one and you're getting a good deal, that's fine, but be aware of what you're actually buying. Um, so it's another reason for buying from the outdoor stores. Um, the As Greg said, the wing lock valve, three times faster on the inflation, and that's always good at the end of the day. Um, and also um, it's a one-way inflation valve, so you don't have to sort of almost be a contortionist to blow clothes, blow clothes as you're trying to inflate these things. So they're a, a, a very good option, a good choice. And as you said, they've now moved it off the sleeping surface. So it's they've put a lot more thought into it. We previously in last week's episode talked about R values on sleeping mats. Uh, and with the change or the acceptance of a standardised industry rating. Um, uh, in, in the case of Firmares, they said that some of their mats have gone on up in R value uh, and a couple of them have gone down slightly. Um, but in the case of the Xtherm, uh, it's now got an R value of 6.9, which puts it at the top of the tree of sleeping mats on the market. Yeah, that's pretty impressive, isn't it? It is. So, um, you know, I'll be honest, it is not the cheapest sleeping mat on the market, but you're <laughs> you're basically paying for what you get. And if you want an exceptionally warm, comfortable sleeping mat that's going to do you in really, really cold conditions, it's a really good option to look at. Um. From there, we moved on to MSR. Now, MSR, as we said, MSR tents and tent pegs are probably the thing they're most known for, uh, but they also do things like stoves. So the Pocket Rock Deluxe, which we reviewed earlier on in the year, um, has gone through and passed its Australian gas testing, um, and they just need to finalise paperwork before they can release them because Greg was saying they do have stock ready to go. They just need the formal sign-off and the bit of paper saying, yes, it's right to go. Uh, I think by the sound of it, um, we seem to have the most stringent gas testing codes out of out of the UK, out of the US. And I know that every time the manufacturers try to get new stoves onto the Australian market, it seems to take longer than the overseas countries. 
So again, buying from a third party out of um, a third party country, um, there have been some really interesting stoves released on the market out of the States in the last couple of years that have never actually passed the codes in Australia. Um, and there's a reason that we have the codes, it's for safety. Uh, so you know, buying again from Australian suppliers, you know that they, they, uh, they've passed the standards. Um, we, as I said, we tested the MSR Pocket Rocket Deluxe, and it is a ripper of a stove. I think once it actually hits the market, it will do really well. New water filters, so the Guardian Purifier, and then again, it is a purifier and not a filter, so it will mean it'll strip most chemicals out and strip viruses out. Not probably an issue in Australia, but if you're going hiking through the Himalayas uh, and some of the South American countries where viruses, waterborne viruses, can be an issue, really you've been left with the um, only a couple of options. Um, so the, the Guardian Purifier, which is probably one of the best known, is it's a hand pump. Uh, it gets rid of all um, the nasty bugs as well as the solids. Um, and they've now about to release a gravity feed version. So basically you fill up the four litre bag, it'll go through the, the purification unit and you're left with uh, pure, fresh, disease-free water at the other end. So I can imagine based on the price of the Guardian um, pump filter, it, it won't be cheap. But if you want something that's going to get rid of viruses, really you don't have a lot of choice. Yeah, and gravity feed is great. Um, I'm a, a big fan of the gravity feed. The uh, Probably not so um, proficient with some of the other kinds of um, filters that are available, particularly the pump ones. We sort of moved off from NSR onto talking about the Platypus, which is another company that uh, uh, Speedy look after, and they talk about the Platypus Quick Draw. And so this is a filter uh, that attaches to the outside of a water bottle. Uh, so it's a bit like a straw. So you basically screw it onto the top and you're drinking through the straw on the top. Um, so it's another option for use for filters. And the last filter we talked about was the ThruLink microfilter. And we looked at this last year uh, at the last year's outdoor retailer show. Again, it's now available in Australia uh, and it's... Very similar for those of you that are aware of the Sawyer Minis. Um, for me, I like the Sawyer Minis, but one of the big issues was is you've virtually got to suck the water out of mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. the, the drinking uh, uh, drinking hydration pack. So I, from what I can see, and I haven't used it yet, the ThruLink microfilter looks like it has a fairly good flow rate on it, which will uh, be quite a, a good option when it comes out. Uh, and I will be testing that one later in the year. Petzl was the next brand we talked about. Uh, and again, Petzl is one of the dominant brands on the market. Uh, they produce a lot of uh, headlamps, and we tested a number of them uh, late last year. The new, new variety is the Ico and the Ico Core. Core is their, the name of their uh, uh, rechargeable battery. Um, and the, the, with the Core version is a 500 lumen lamp. And these are aimed at uh, trail runners, but uh, it's not to say that hikers can't use these, but they're specifically aimed at trail runners. Pump out a lot of light uh, and a reasonably lightweight as well. So um, this is something to look forward to coming onto the market. 
Again, when we talked to Greg about what the state of the outdoor industry was, uh, it was interesting to hear him say that even after the fires, the season started out okay, and all of a sudden we got hit with the pandemic, um, and that caused the closure of some bricks and mortar stores. Uh, and I think, in all honesty, you will see some more stores in the next six months probably close as well. Um, the ones that are still surviving uh, uh, may well have been doing reduced hours, and that's something that I've seen yeah. even in Canberra yeah. where the opening hours has been reduced. Um, so as Greg said, as, as others have also uh, echoed this as well, is support your local stores. Uh, and I think it's um, we talked about in the last interview about online sales, and he said for a number of stores, the ones that have survived has been a result of their online sales, which have helped them to uh, 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 weather the closing of their physical bricks-and-mortar store. Yeah, and I think some of those stores that have managed to integrate the, the physical um, store with the online store, uh, you know, clearly those ones who have... Who've, uh, done much better in this, these really difficult times. Um, I always found it interesting that um, some stores had a view that it was physical or online. Um, so, you know, there's probably something in there that says, you know, a little bit of diversity is probably a good thing. Okay, so that's the last of our three interviews for the, for the day. Over the last two weeks, we've talked to a total of five um, uh, manufacturers and suppliers, which is certainly less than what we've done in the last few years. But this, as we mentioned earlier on, is given us an opportunity to have a bit more in-depth conversations and to find out how the manufacturers and suppliers have seen the industry uh, weather the storm that's been 2020. Um, we... We'll often do a state of the industry um, uh, discussion as part of our annual podcast, uh, our annual birthday podcast, and we'll do the same again later this year. But I think, it, as I said, it's going to be a very interesting shakeout to see what happens with the outdoor industry in the next few months uh, once the pandemic does eventually uh, relax and we start getting back to some sort of normality. Um, to see what stores survive and how things change. Because I think um, most stores are likely to probably, uh, if they don't already have an online presence and do online sales, um, and I think there will be a number of stores that will not be here in 6 to 12 months. So supporting those stores, if you want them to stay around, uh, it's really up to us to do that. Yeah, but I think, you know, there's there's probably something bigger here about, um, 2020 has really challenged everything that that we were familiar with, and um, you know those those stores will be morphing and transforming and innovating into different things. And yes, it is important to um, support them, um, but I think it's an opportunity to recreate and. Um, you know, as consumers, we we need to be part of that, and we need to um, perhaps not hanker for the past, um, but help everybody look to the future. 
Okay, we hope you've enjoyed this series of two episodes of industry interviews. With luck in 2021, we'll be back to the Outdoor Retailer Show. Um, it has been set for next year, so barring any any other unforeseen <laughs> circumstances. Don't, we, don't say it. Don't say it. <laughs> we, we do know it's on for next year and we know when. Uh, but, uh, yeah, looking forward to actually touching base with people face-to-face next year and getting back to some sort of semblance of normality with the podcast. That's all for me. Bye for now. And bye from me. One comment that Dave made, and it's something I've certainly noticed as well, he said where where it's possible, and it's not always possible in a lot of states, um, people are more people have been out either walking or so- walking, walking, yep. Yeah. <laughs>